0: and welcome to the Nonsense Bazaar. We're your hosts. I'm Willow Truman. I'm Sequoia Kennedy. And today we were supposed to be covering the False Memory Syndrome Foundation. Mm. But guess what? What? I had no idea how to make it funny at all. Yeah. It, it was just too dark. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, that's for the bonus show. Um, so I I took a hard left turn. I decided instead to talk about Greta Garbo.
2: Who is Greta Garbo? Greta <laughs> Garbo.
0: She's a Swedish-American actress.
2: Okay. From, yeah. I, like, I know the name. I know the name Greta Garbo. I have no idea.
0: Early 20th century. Okay. Yeah, what the fuck happened?
2: Yeah, why are we talking about Greta Garbo?
0: It's been a very weird week for me. Okay. I'm just...
2: That's what we're doing, that's what. Yeah. All
0: right. Uh, So today we'll be looking at the life and also the dietary habits of one of my... That's right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) On Sunday you said you, uh, that... This week, you're going to make me eat weird shit. Yeah. Did you you phrase it like that? Or is that just what I took away from?
0: I I asked if you would be willing to eat something for the podcast and you immediately became afraid.
2: Yeah, well, the way you said it,
0: (laughs) I forget how I phrased it. Me too, but But all
2: I knew was I was supposed to eat something. You were scared. Because um, you wouldn't tell me what I had to eat. That's why. I
0: didn't know yet.
2: Like, I asked. That See, that's we. That's terrifying. I was
0: going to give you a grapefruit with molasses on it, broiled, but guess what?
2: Well, that sounds delicious.
0: I didn't pick up any molasses. Son of a bitch. I know.
2: Yeah. So why are we talking about Greta Garbo?
0: Okay. Well, originally, I wanted to cover multiple actresses' diets from, like, old Hollywood. Okay. Um, but, unforeseeably greta garbo alone just completely captured my attention it'll become clear why okay i i wanted to cover like old hollywood diets and talk about like dietary trends yeah, and yeah, how yeah. the media influences what people eat through time that's what i was gonna do
2: and you were gonna make me eat a
0: yeah like s- some interesting old movie
2: star diet
0: yeah i was gonna do that okay but then this week was just really fucking weird and i was so tired and I went down a Greta Garbo rabbit hole.
2: So unfortunately, we're not doing the make Sequoia something weird episode.
0: No, that's for another time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Old Hollywood though. I really like this this time period.
2: It's a weird time and place.
0: It is, because at the time it was it was new Hollywood, you know? Now it's old True. Hollywood. But actresses in that era, they essentially belonged to the studio. Yeah. They would change their names, dye their hair, crash diet, and wild ways to achieve whatever image was desired by the company. Studios would also hand out drugs to their actresses. You know, Judy Garland was certifiably addicted to barbiturates by the time Wizard of Oz was done filming.
2: Oh yeah, no, she get, she had a bad time.
0: Uh, to slim down while preparing for movies, actress Jean Harlow went on a four-day tomato diet. Ooh. That's um coffee and orange juice for breakfast, Okay. And then lunch and dinner, it's just some black coffee and two whole tomatoes.
1: That's... Mm-hmm. And
0: that's it. And this is like reported on in papers as if it's something that people should aspire to, like a, a get thin quick scheme.
2: Right, tomatoes are good for you. They're delicious. And they
0: are, but delicious it's like... Food, a
2: food, but that's a lot. That's a lot of
0: black coffee. four and days? Tomato. Yeah. The way these actresses ate and how the media talked about it, definitely would make people feel like hmm, maybe i need to be thin and fit to be beautiful and that's not really something that ever like went away from that time because that was kind of the dawn of the age of the, the celebrity before that celebrities were like i don't know maybe the, the king or like a famous general or politician or whatever yeah but the the celebrity the tabloid celebrity did not really exist until movies came out because people didn't have televisions to watch so the film stars were the stars of the age
2: yeah 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 and they like yeah it's, it's just a very different thing than a like established industry like now like movies are a fucking part of like for <laughs> for better or worse they're part of like the fucking cognitive substrate that we all operate fucking within right it's part of who we are as 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 a people they just thought of this bullshit mm-hmm. yeah
0: Right. So now all of these people are becoming famous and their image is being very tightly controlled by their companies and, and they're controlling these people's personal and private lives. Yeah. And they, they want them to be reported on to help boost their image. Yeah, 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 So all of a sudden there's all of these articles about these people's personal lives are getting swarmed by paparazzi and this is like a whole brand new thing, you know? So I imagine that's that's pretty overwhelming. Plus like, yeah, the spotlight is on you. So these actresses, they're under a lot of pressure.
2: Turning like a person into like a, into a product for the first time. Yes. Yeah.
0: Like the first influencers, basically. Yeah. So then that creates a, a mirror back out to society, and people want to be like these stars. Because they don't know what it's really like to be a celebrity. Um, but they see the way they look, the way they eat, the way their lives are so glamorized, and they they want to be like that. And they think you need to either look or eat a certain way in order to be happy or to be successful or... You know, it's like a game that people get trapped playing for a long time. Yeah, definitely one that Greta Garbo got trapped in. So,
2: what did Greta Garbo do? She acted. God damn it! What movies? <laughs> I want to. I don't know if I'm.
0: <laughs> Let me get a list. Um, she was in Grand Hotel, Conquest, Anna Christie, Queen Christina. I.
2: Had... I don't know who Greta Garbo is.
0: <laughs> I know, but you're going to. I know, I will, A lot I was... of people listening to this probably have absolutely no idea. I'm sure. And a fair amount do.
2: A, I'm sure I, I, I'm outing myself as being very dumb right now.
0: No, that's no, why. you're not. Okay. But yeah, I because I came into this with the, the diet perspective in mind, um, it just, I don't know, just got me thinking about the idea of celebrities, diets, food, oh, absolutely. how that's reported on.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's into the, the idea of a celebrity as like this fucking as a culture generator or something right. that you can like, well, that's a really interesting idea. It's like, oh, you just the first time this like example uh, was put together essentially um, through like brand management of a celebrity right. that people can like look to en masse and use to inform their own habits and, and, and ways of living like that's mm-hmm. an innovation in fucking culture.
0: One uh, good example of that action. is like these celebrity McDonald's meals. Yeah, you know, like you pull up, you're like, I want the Cardi B me and it's just fucking like regular ass chicken nuggets or, or whatever is included in it. But it's now branded as that that celebrity. Yeah. And you have all of these celebrities promoting different food products now that they know are unhealthy, that they know are marketed towards kids and that they know, I don't know. It, Basically, since the dawn of celebrity, they've been used as mouthpieces and puppets to promote certain behaviors, ideals, and brands.
2: It's When we talked about um, Edward Bernays on our bonus episode, that was the smoothest plug yet. Yes. Yeah. Hell yeah. You know, we were talking about how how impactful that type of marketing and shit really is and Mm -hmm. and how new it is at the dawn of the first celebrity. Like, it's part of this whole fucking, it's part of this whole weird engine of uh, 20th century Culture generation, I guess. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, So what I like about Greta Garbo is that she kind of completely just rejected all of that. She retired at 36. Fuck yeah. Uh, She was kind of an anti-celebrity. She just wanted to be left the fuck alone. Oh, that's why
2: I don't know who Greta Garbo is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah, she was a bisexual, possibly lesbian, weirdo recluse who never married, quit Hollywood at the height of her career, and had some pretty interesting eating habits. But before we go any further, I'm gonna do what we do. I'm gonna pull this week's tarot card. We'll what? you... we <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk about it at the end.
2: What what we usually use the we for that. Are you cutting me out?
0: And we'll talk about it at the end. I think I'm fired. <laughs> it's my podcast. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> We got the Seven of Swords.
2: Ah. Okay. Okay. Futility.
0: Okay indeed. Talk about that at the end.
2: Yeah. This sneaky guy, sneaky guy walking away with a bunch of swords.
0: Yeah. Before we get into her life, just, just a little bit more diet talk. Okay. Because that, you know, I want to talk about why I'm talking about her diet.
2: We're not doing, we're not like changing our brand and becoming a wellness podcast.
0: Oh, fuck no. <laughs> um, because like, here's the thing. Why the fuck should we care what some rich person with a private chef eats? How is this at all relevant to our lives?
2: I'm sure it's relevant. It's not. It's, it's
0: not. We well, should, it shouldn't be. It, yeah, we shouldn't <laughs> care about it at all. No, In fact, I'd go out on a limb and say that the majority of us don't. Right. So then why is there so much information out there about what celebrities eat? Yeah. <laughs> why? There, is,
2: there really is a lot. Yeah. It's crazy.
0: Um, as part of my research, on like when I thought I was just doing celebrity diets, yeah. I read a People Magazine article about uh, Kim Card... An article. <laughs> <laughs> detailing Kim Kardashian's postpartum food diary, it's like you know marketed. How did she lose the baby weight?
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. First
0: of all, it was just shit like eggs and chicken sausage with side of greens, Atkins bar for snack.
2: I'm like, gonna. You you were in a supermarket aisle when you were reading this, weren't you?
0: <laughs> no, I looked it up online. Okay. But like, first of all, I felt like so just reading this article. You feel like you're wasting your time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. because I, I doubt there's no recipes. It doesn't detail what any of this actually means. What are the macros? What what are the benefits of this diet? <laughs> yeah. Like, why is this a good diet? How is how does she combine fitness in with it?
2: It's not really an article about a diet.
0: No. And I doubt she shops or cooks for herself. So no. it, it, it was really just a thinly veiled ad for Atkins snack bars. Hell yeah. She got that promo money, gave us nothing and just a, here's a little stupid article to make you feel bad about your postpartum body. Yeah, again, that's Edward Bernays shit. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's as if these articles exist just to make people believe that if only they had the discipline and money to yeah. eat like their favorite star, maybe they might look like them. Mm-hmm. Have their body. The fact is all of these celebrities, they probably have personal fitness trainers, chefs, you know, nannies to help out. It's hard to go shopping, cook, meal prep, all of these things. Like there is a there's a time barrier. And the other reason why I think these articles exist is because people want them. They're interested. The pe- people, especially with the Kardashians, they have their own whole reality TV franchise, so people already have this parasocial relationship with them. They want to know, like,
2: right, exactly.
0: What, what do the Kardashians eat?
2: Yeah, you don't want to know what we actually. Willow, you you you're a good cook. You eat a lot of good shit.
0: I eat pretty good.
2: I'm a, I'm a mess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but um, there are countless articles, books, video content revealing what various public figures dine on, and it all feels so weirdly artificial and voyeuristic for like there's no reason for it do you remember when hillary clinton needed to let us all know that she carries hot sauce in her purse
2: so that was was kind of funny
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes food it's it's a really important thing right we all need it to survive so it's something that we can easily connect over um so of course it's going to be something that's easy to propagandize too
2: yeah absolutely it's like the most basic ass human thing
0: Absolutely. And we could have an actual discussion about food policy and economics, but that's not the the conversation about food propaganda that we're we're having right now. What I'm more interested in is this chain of command that takes place between uh, personal nutritionists and trainers to the stars who then influence celebrities, who influence the media, which then influences us. I'm thinking about Kanye West's personal trainer right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm also excited to discuss the role of Greta Garbo's nutritionist in her life. And how, despite never wanting to commit herself to a relationship, so commitment-phobic that she never wanted to buy a house even, she often found herself in the role of more or less a, a kept woman, first by the studios and then just by various men in her life. Shit. Indeed. But yeah, basically, um, a couple of the talking points would more or less be the same if we did a modern version of this episode. You know, yeah, yeah. blah blah blah, pressure on celebrities to maintain an image, blah blah blah, media's normalization of disordered and restrictive eating, la la la.
2: I'm um, just realizing kind of how potent a fucking weapon celebrity is.
0: Yes. Yeah. Very much so. <laughs>
2: Jesus Christ. I'm
0: just we're, we're talking about it through the lens of food for yeah. People, fuck so. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then we're gonna take a, another left turn in, into a biography on Greta Garbo's life and diet. But yeah, I'm. This
2: is the only thing I'm gonna know about Greta Garbo. <laughs>
0: No, you're gonna learn a lot more. Okay. Um, yeah. It's kind of weird the way that the press keeps track of and reports on people's eating habits and weight fluctuations. Like it would be very weird if you just did that to normal people, like snapped a picture of your friend and <laughs> uploaded it, and we're like, Looks like Jared's gained fifteen pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm um I'm sure some listeners will remember there's
2: Well, that's how, that's how so Jerry from Subway turned into a pedophile.
0: Okay, honestly. <laughs> I, don't
2: know, I don't know why that just came no. <laughs> out
0: You probably don't remember this, but I used to watch the Tyra Banks show. No. Um, there is a clip of it that kind of went viral where she's going off about this unflattering bathing suit picture of her that was published with speculation that she had gained 40 pounds in just three weeks. And she she got on her soapbox on her talk show to let us all know that she doesn't approve of that type of reporting. And yet, one's status as a celebrity, especially a a model, is predicated on their public image. Because it's like, Tyra, your entire role as a host on America's Next Top Model is to judge women's bodies. So, you know, I'm just, I'm going to be an asshole here, play devil's advocate for a second. If you're making a living off of your public image, who's to say that comments about your image are off limits? It's almost like this... Exchange of energy that you make when you choose to enter the realm of celebrity. It's like, okay, my private life is no longer private. I, a part of me, belongs to the people now. And I'm not saying that it's right or wrong.
2: Yeah, well, y- but it is. No, I think here was the, there's a difference between that the stat the the state of celebrity as being necessary for a sort of art or whatever. I mean, fucking Tyra Banks. That you have a talk show. Right. Is that is that what she does? I don't know who she is either.
0: She was um one of the first uh like black supermodels.
2: Oh, OK. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. She was a supermodel. Yeah. Come on now.
0: hmm.
2: I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that.
0: No, but I'm just saying, like, unlike ordinary civilians, being a member of the entertainment industry basically means that you are subject to public scrutiny, whether you like it or not.
2: Let's not say entertainment industry, because I think that's technically us.
0: Too. <laughs> well, yeah, we're, we're not quite there yet. Yeah, that's technically me, too. <laughs> not quite there yet. No. Maybe someday. We're in
2: the entertainment industry.
0: Yeah, scrutinize us
2: or don't. don't. You're the one using a fake fucking name, dude.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know what you're talking about. Um, But no, celebrities are public figures, which means that in some ways they have more protections than a, a nobody like me for now. But in other ways, they have less protections because legally speaking, the publication of certain private details about a celebrity's life doesn't constitute a violation of privacy to the same extent that it, it would for you or me or a private individual. And that's something that I think if Greta Garbo had fully known and understood that, I'm not sure she would have ever entered Hollywood.
2: I have i can't see many people who would. Yeah. Actually, yes, I can. That's terrible. But yeah, I can see how someone could fucking not realize that. Ugh. I don't want anyone looking at me like that.
0: So I'll put some music in here or something. Yeah, yeah. Old fashioned. All right. Greta Garbo was born Greta Lavisa Gustafsson on September 18th, 1805. She grew up in a working class district of Stockholm known for its poverty. She was the youngest of three children. She was raised in a three bedroom cold water flat and her family was not well off by any means. Her father, Carl Alfred Gustafsson, worked a bunch of menial jobs to support the family, while her mother, Anna Lavisa, worked at a jam factory. Greta's early life was marked by vivid memories of long gray winter nights filled with anxiety as her family struggled to make ends meet. Just not a, not a very happy childhood. She also had to start like working at a, at a pretty early age. And also from an early age, she was always just a shy girl, introspective daydreamer, natural inclination towards Leadership in the performing arts, though, interestingly. Hell yeah. Yeah. She didn't like school. She preferred to play alone or with a small group of friends, like select people. Um, I like her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she would like direct her small group of friends in these little like make-believe performances. She was always a a theater girl. Yeah. Um, At first, she participated in amateur theater, but she worked her way up. Then tragedy struck when the Spanish flu pandemic reached Stockholm in 1919 leading to her father's illness and unemployment. So Greta cared for her ailing father, but he died a year later in 1920 when she was just 14 years old, which was a huge loss for the family, for their income, and emotionally, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, Prior to her acting career, Garbo took on menial jobs such as a soap lather girl in a barbershop. You know, got to lather up people's faces.
2: So funny. That's such a fucking this is a fucking early 20th century job. The soap lather girl in a barbershop. It's hilarious. It was a simpler time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes,
0: You're like 15 years old, just rubbing soap on people's faces. She later worked at the pub department. Barbara can't do that. No. Uh, She worked at a department store, which led to a role as a fashion model. Um, And that job provided her with a more stable income and opened the doors eventually for what would become her acting career. In 1920, she was cast in a film commercial for women's clothing, marking her first screen appearance. And I guess her performance in the commercial caught the attention of film director Eric Arthur Petschler, who gave her a part in his short comedy, Peter the Tramp, in
2: 1922. Oh, oh. Oh, wow. Advert, Of course, a ton of like actors and shit got their start in commercial. Like, commercials were much a, a much bigger deal when they weren't as ubiquitous and shit. Like that was still a fucking movie at the beginning of movies. Yeah. You know?
0: Right. Because commercials weren't on TV. Right. That's so okay. Yeah.
2: It was like the advent of film in general. Mm-hmm. So anything you saw on film was fucking nuts. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like I'm not sure when, you know,
0: if so, somebody pops like, in a commercial, it's like, hmm. and it, OK. Also, movies were silent at the time, mostly. Right, right. Like, I don't know when the first talkie was, but if all movies are silent, basically all you have to go off of is somebody's silent performance. So if you're watching a commercial and somebody stands out, it's like, yeah, put them on film, put them in the movie, because basically yeah. you got a good idea of yeah,
1: you know, I mean, what they look like. Yeah,
2: yeah,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, what I I feel like that's something we should. No, is like when the first uh, the silent film era
0: 1927
2: yeah okay 18 1890s to 1920s okay yeah so not like
0: yeah early sound feature film started in
2: 1926 okay ah oh, the jazz singer that's right yeah yeah yeah
0: well, being discovered at the department store eventually led her to studying at the Royal Dramatic Theatre in Stockholm, and eventually securing a contract with MGM in Hollywood. MGM started changing her look before she could even act in her first screen test. Greta allowed her hair to be permed. Uh, Greta allowed her permed hair to be modified to a softer, more attractive style. Hmm. Her hair was dyed black to look more Spanish. There's a small blemish removed from her hairline. I'm not sure how they did that. And her teeth were capped. Shit, had no teeth now. And her wow. Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Director Monty Bell was preparing his next movie, The Torrent. You see, he had a male lead, but still no female lead. And after seeing Garbo's screen test, he immediately offered her the role. She didn't really want to take it. Mm. It would have been her first picture ever, like her first movie in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. Um, not her Not her first picture ever, but her first picture in America for MGM. She was hoping that the first film that she acted in in America would have been directed by her mentor, Swedish director uh, Moritz Stiller. Mm. Years prior in 1924, Maurice Stiller had cast the completely unknown Greta Gustafsson in a movie and convinced her to change her name to Greta Garbo. From the start, she was controlled.
2: I want to do him like a fucking... Like a sleazy Hollywood guy, but he's, he's Swedish. If you want the part, you'll have to lose at least 20 pounds. Turning her around and talking partly to her and to his associates. Isn't she beautiful? Have you ever seen such eyelashes? But Miss, you are much too
0: fat. Yeah, he had her like standing next to this other girl who was also up for the part and was like, listen, you're beautiful, but you just, you gotta lose some fucking weight. Jesus. So, 17-year-old Greta Gustafsson... Signed a standard player's contract with Spence Film Industry, and allowed herself the privilege of being excited, for a little bit, but then diligently set about the task of uh, slimming down before the production would begin, eating only spinach for three weeks. Oh man, no! Yeah, a friend, no. a friend of hers said. Uh,
2: she wanted to become figure perfect and still her size as quickly as possible. Greta just gets thinner and thinner. You can't see her breasts anymore. They're just two buttons. Jesus fucking <laughs> Christ, dude.
0: Yeah. So she's wow. 17 years old, too. Like, Jesus keep in mind, wow. she's she's a teenager. Like, yeah. her brain is still developing. This is... Yeah. And also, her father died. So she's automatically looking for, like, a, a male figure to help guide her, to help bring her success. So Maureen Stiller filled that role, and she was very eager to please him and make something of herself. So... Having to lose 20 pounds so quickly was absolutely miserable. Um, Apparently, she cried throughout the production of the movie, much to uh, Stiller's annoyance. (laughs) Greta told the press that she found making movies very difficult.
2: Terrible. But Stiller is the best human being I know. Stiller creates people and shapes them according to his will. Jesus. As for myself, I am a nice girl who gets very sad if people are unkind to her, although that may not be very feminine. Being feminine is a lovely quality, which I may not have very much of.
0: Yeah. Another interesting thing about Greta is that she liked to wear men's pants and shoes. Um, And she would often like, sometimes she would refer to herself in the past as like a boy. Mm. Yeah. She liked to wear like tuxes. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty cutting edge for the time, actually. Now, when the two Greta... Did people just
2: chalk it up to her being Swedish? (laughs)
0: probably (laughs) when Stiller and Garbo left Sweden for Hollywood Stiller had hopes of gaining real world renown as her director you know he thought he really truly believed like she's gonna be a star he knew it and he was right
2: I don't like this guy
0: I don't like him either (laughs) (laughs) yeah at at one point a friend of his asked him like well if you're so certain that she's gonna be so famous and she's so wonderful why don't you just marry the girl he was like first of all she's really young Second of all, I never want to get married. I'm about that bachelor life. Mm. And third of all, she should never get married either if she really wants to be a star. She never did. Yeah. Um, At this time, by the time they got to Hollywood, he had exerted more influence than anyone else in shaping Greta's character and personality. He told her how to dress, what to think, how to behave. There's almost nothing that he didn't tell her, and she listened and obeyed. Christ. He really enjoyed telling people what to do. Um, He was known for being just a fucking brutal director, like yelling at people on set. And he also had a love of beauty. A friend once said,
2: He'd get physically sick when he saw anything ugly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That, That friend also said,
2: While directing, he often lost his temper. He couldn't help it. But then he could say things that hurt, could hurt badly, and at the same time could be strikingly funny. Although not so funny for the victim. He was quick to make amends, and I don't think anybody was angry with him at heart.
0: In the late spring of 1925, Louis B. Meyer, vice president and production chief of metro goldwyn Meyer, was making a business and pleasure trip through Europe. While in Berlin, Meyer saw Greta's movie that was directed by Stiller. He was impressed by the scope of the film, its resourceful photography, and most of all, what he considered brilliant direction. He wanted to meet with Maurice Stiller, and so he did. Greta was brought along, but... Meyer didn't really pay any attention to her whatsoever. Yeah, completely uninterested. But when Meyer asked, hey, do you want to come to America and make movies for MGM? Stiller said, yeah, I'll do it gladly, but on one provision. Put Greta Garbo under contract, to which Meyer said, who? Hmm. Didn't even remember her. No one knows who this woman is. (laughs) (laughs) But he did it. And uh, just like that, she entered a three year contract. Yay, right? Yay,
2: yeah. It's not bad.
0: Actually, no. No? Yeah. You see, this era of filmmaking was characterized by the big five studios. Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, Paramount Mm. Pictures, Warner Brothers, 20th Century Fox, and RKO Pictures.
2: Except for that last one, they're all still doing it.
0: Oh, yeah. They had a near monopolistic control over the industry and exclusive contracts with actors, directors, and other personnel, essentially owning their services during the duration of, of the contract. Yeah. These contracts were long-term, lasted years, and gave these studios significant legal and commercial rights over the stars' likenesses and images, including meaning that they could dictate not just what films the stars appeared in, but also how their images were used. Right. And how they were to conduct their public and private oh.
2: lives. God, oh, that's so fucking dark.
0: Mhm. The contracts were often uncompromising, bordering on cruel sometimes. Now there were high-profile lawsuits like in the 1930s um, by Betty Davis that were among the first attempts to really break free from these controlling agreements. Uh, Marilyn Monroe famously walked out on the filming of the seven-year itch until her contract demands were met. She's like, I'm just not i not acting anymore until you change some of this shit. Yeah. So Garbo was officially entered on the MGM payroll on September 10th, 1925. But the studio showed no signs of being in a hurry to try and do anything with her. Stiller was becoming increasingly uh, broody and impatient.
2: (laughs) I I hate a broody director, man.
0: Oh, yeah. And and an angry one, too. Yeah, fuck that. Um, He told his Swedish friends that the whole thing was a mistake. He and Greta should have never come to America. Um, But you know what? Guess what? Garbo would go on to become the icon that he envisioned her as. But MGM quickly tired of Maurice Stiller and his attitude on set and fired him halfway through the filming of Gar- of Garbo's second Hollywood feature, The Temptress, in 1926. They said, get the fuck out of here. We're going to hire a different director. We don't like your, we
2: don't like your toed." <laughs> they kicked him, kicked him the fuck out? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Um, fun fact. Her first on-screen spoken line was, give me a whiskey, ginger ale on the side. And don't be stingy, baby.
2: Jesus Christ. <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, she, she did not like acting. She didn't really like being in movies. Like we said, she cried through the filming of her whole first movie. Yeah. And these early experiences and challenges that she faced in both life with all of her losses and in the industry undoubtedly shaped her character. She said,
2: It was hell working in California. What a nightmare. I could never go anywhere. I was never free to be myself all I did was work sometimes it was too much to bear and I had to get away I would get in the car and drive all the way to Santa Barbara but when I got there I realized there was there was no place I could go even to have coffee and I would drive all the way back to purgatory it's a sad life
0: yeah so she's referencing the fact that she can't go anywhere uh, without being recognized and hounded all the time yeah yeah I'll it's just... also
2: just super dark thinking about like the impact that this shit had like hmm um it's uh, weird weird shit
0: it is now, despite fucking hating being in movies, it seemed like Greta just had that special something. It was probably the fact that she'd like hated it so much that that made her her craft for whatever reason, like even more magical somehow, like the, the tortured. I, I don't know. I
2: can see. Oh, I can see that. Well, she was because she well, she was an, an actor yeah like that's what she did that was her art Mm -hmm. right like and that's a different thing than the fucking hollywood machine yes
0: yeah because she didn't even really want to be she wanted to act right she wanted to perform but she didn't want all that attention
2: yeah yeah yeah.
0: well like a ghost there was just something magical and undetectable about her that didn't really show up on set but it showed up when the film was developed Clarence Brown, who directed Garbo in seven films, recalled shooting a scene with her and thinking it was just fine, nothing really special. But then when he played it back, he saw something that it, it didn't have on set.
2: You could see her thinking. You could see the thought. If she had to if she had to look at one person with jealousy and another with love, she didn't have to change her expression. It was all captured in her eyes as she looked from one to the other. Uh, yeah, I can see yeah, I can see that. Like that's the, yeah.
0: She had a punem, as my mom calls it. A face she got the a good face,
2: yeah, well, it's crazy how like some people some people just do have something else that shows up on camera, mm-hmm. Like, it's nuts,
0: oh, also, this is an interesting tidbit, according to Clarence Brown, that director. um she would watch her movies, uh the movies that had sound, but only if they were playing in reverse, huh, he said
2: that's what <laughs> that's what Garbo enjoyed, she would. <laughs> That's, that's, it's a funny it's sound weird. to be in that sentence that like, it sounds like a Sesame Street character or something. That's what Garbo enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Garbo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a funny <laughs> last name. It's not even a last name. Where does it even come from? Yeah. It's just made up.
2: No, no, not if it'd be funny. It's, 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 that's what Gus enjoyed.
0: Yeah. That's what uh, Gustafson.
2: Uh, anyway, that's what Garbo enjoyed. She would sit there shaking with laughter, watching the film running backward and the sound going blom, yaka blom, yaka blom, yaka blom <laughs> what
0: I guess that's the sound of film running backwards
2: yeah go up, go up. Uh, I can't do it but but as soon as we ran it forward, she wouldn't watch it
0: <laughs> weirdo Dude, what a weirdo, <laughs> yeah, um, this was also a time when the close up sh- the the close up shot in film was still relatively new, yeah, um. Greta just offered an extraordinary face for the this new type of shot. American screenwriter and director Paul Schrader said,
2: A real close-up of an actor is about going in for an emotional reason that you can't get any other way. When filmmakers realized that they could use a close-up to achieve this kind of emotional effect, cameras started coming in closer, and characters became more complex.
0: And yeah, you know, it's not to dismiss her craft as an actress, but she did act a lot with her face, and it did happen to just be a beautiful face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Her mysterious and somewhat androgynous persona also helped to bring her fame, especially in Europe, and she was immortalized by her famous line, I want to be alone, from the film Grand Hotel. Mm. Because, though incredibly popular, Garbo was a private person. Got it. Now, every time I say Garbo, I'm imagining like a weird Sesame Street (laughs) puppet. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. (laughs) You're not alone. (laughs)
0: I want an AI image of Greta Garbo as a Sesame Street character
2: oh my fucking god (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah fuck yeah
0: I'm making a note to do that yep (laughs) (laughs) okay hell yeah (laughs) yeah here's, here's the clip of her famous line from Grand Hotel
1: I want to be alone
2: where have you been I suppose I can cancel the Vienna contract?
0: I just want to be alone.
2: You're going to be very much alone, my dear <laughs> madame. This is the end.
0: Yes. She just wants to be alone. Yeah. Um. She told PhotoPlay Magazine about her extreme introversion. She said,
2: When I was just a little child, as early, as early as I can remember, I wanted to be alone. I detest crowds. I don't like many people.
0: Yeah. Later in life, um, she would use aliases and even buy, like, multiple airplane and theater seats around her to help preser- preserve her privacy.
2: I mean, that'd be the dickhead thing I would do if I was a rich guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, On the topic of preserving her privacy, Garbo also might have been a spy.
2: I've heard that before.
0: Yeah. She reported that-
2: That's like- where I knew Garbo from.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Greta Garbo as a Sesame Street character who was also a spy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, she reportedly collected information about Nazi sympathizers in Sweden for the British Secret Intelligence Service. Fuck yeah. And uh, allegedly, she also conveyed messages between British agents and the King of Sweden. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Garbo told her friends that she wanted to meet Adolf Hitler, who had sent her a fan letter, so that she could kill him with a gun hidden in her purse. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yes.
2: Well, she didn't, though, but that's sick. She wanted to. She wants. Yeah.
0: Oh, in 1941, at the age of 36, Greta Garbo just stopped acting. Okay. Never made another film for the rest of her life. She had made about 28 movies at that point, and this was a decision made by a person who, despite being destined for stardom and great at it, had never been temperamentally suited for it whatsoever. Mm. And after she quit, she would tell her friends not to ever ask her about her movies. She didn't want to talk about it. And she would rarely even let her friends see her bedroom or her kitchen. She was just a, a private person. Damn. Her fame really, like, damaged her.
2: There must have been some bad times making those movies, dude. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. So that was the end of her career, but moving backwards in time a little bit. Enter a man named Gaylord Hauser. Well, okay, not really. His actual name was Benjamin Hauser, but for whatever reason, he dropped the Benjamin and went by his middle name, Gaylord.
2: He dropped Ben for Gaylord? Yes. I <laughs> would have to be the other way around.
0: He was a German-born American nutritionist and self-help author who gained prominence in the mid-20th century, advocating for a, a natural way of eating. And um, despite rumors of him being gay, apparently Dr. Hauser. Yeah, I know. That's, that's the real reason he changed his name. Um, yeah. yeah. There are rumors that Dr. Hauser and Greta Garbo were lovers. Rumors that they were even supposed to get married? Hmm. Yeah. He was born on May 17th, 1895, in Germany, and moved to the United States as a teenager, settling in Chicago with his brother. Hauser's interest in nutrition was sparked by his own health crisis. Um, he was diagnosed with tuberculosis of the hip.
2: What? The hip? Yeah, what? Okay. I didn't... I, I, I don't know. I was that, one thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Traditional treatments were failing him, leading him to naturopathy, and eventually a strict diet that he believed cured him from his illness. This transformative experience led him to study food sciences across Europe before returning to the U.S. to promote his new nutritional philosophy. Hauser's nutrition advice centered on the consumption of five wonder foods. Yogurt, brewer's yeast, powdered skim milk, wheat germ, and blackstrap molasses. It's the weirdest
2: dude I've ever heard of.
0: Yes. He believed in the healthful effects of whole foods and advocated for a diet low in fat, sugar, and meat. Low in meat. That's not to say that uh, he didn't have some recipes with meat in them. For example, Swiss steak.
2: Aww. This is a
0: steak that you dip in breadcrumbs, and then you fry it, and then you boil it in water.
2: What in the living fuck is wrong with you, Gaylord? I know. What the fuck are you doing?
0: He's got a really weird eating disorder. That's that's what. the
2: strangest shit I've ever heard of. Yeah. Is that what the Swiss eat? <laughs> I don't think Is that
0: so. I have Swiss steak. Um, Dude, yeah, why
2: his, would you do such a thing? Boil? Are you sure? Bo- boil? Boil and water. No, no, boy.
0: Okay. Yeah, his diet recommendations were um, controversial and often deemed pseudoscientific by the actual medical community. But they found a following among Hollywood stars and the general public, who were charmed by his promises of health and a long life. Despite the criticism, Hauser became a popular figure on the lecture circuit and a nutritional advisor to celebrities, including Hollywood legends Marlena Dietrich, Grace Kelly, and Ingrid Bergman. Apparently, Greta Garbo had heard all about him from Leopold Stokowski and asked if she could meet this famous dietitian.
2: Good God.
0: Hauser invited her to the home atop Coldwater Canyon that he shared with his partner Fry Brown. And she arrived alone. Hauser remembered.
2: This is the gayest man who's ever been. Yeah. Yeah. A vision of breathtaking beauty with her long hair and fresh golden complexion. She was at that time following a diet consisting of mainly, mainly of boiled vegetables and thou shalt nots. Hmm. In spite of her radiant beauty, this diet had had a marked effect on her vitality. She was suffering from overtiredness and insomnia and, and was in danger of serious anemia. Well,
0: yeah, it was an immediate match. Hell yeah. Like friends, friends yeah, forever. Yeah, yeah. She couldn't help but like the gregarious, handsome six foot three Hauser, And his first meal for her was veggie burgers made out of chopped hazelnuts, wild rice and mixed with egg and then fried in soybean oil. Right on. I bet the texture of that's kind of weird. Um, but yeah, dessert was a broiled grapefruit with uh, molasses in the center. It sounds pretty good. That does actually sound I, st- I want to try it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, she loved it.
2: I mean, it does sound really fucking good. Do You yeah. wrote in the script grapefruit time?
0: Yeah, I wanted to eat some grapefruit, but I didn't get the molasses. God damn it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> when Hauser first met Garbo, she was a strict vegetarian, but he was hoping that he could change that. She was encouraged to continue eating vegetables, but start fortifying it with little bits of protein, a little bit of ham, a little bit of chicken, maybe some wheat germ, some cottage cheese. I
2: don't even know what wheat germ is. (laughs) Cottage cheese is a weird food. Yeah. It's a strange thing.
0: I like it maybe mixed with like fruit.
2: It's a strange thing.
0: I don't really care for it too much. Yeah. Yeah. Of his prized pupil, Hauser said,
2: she eats intelligently. One of my favorite lunches, and hers, is a cup of chicken broth with chives, cottage cheese, half a ripe avocado with a vinegar herb and oil dressing, a slice of pineapple, and one piece of toasted and buttered dark bread. Like, it sounds good, but also sounds like you got weird taste. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it's kind of a weird lunch. Yeah. A a cup of broth, a little bit of cottage cheese, half an avocado with vinegar and dressing on it, like some pineapple and some bread. It sounds good
2: good yeah Doesn't, it sounds healthy yeah it's just like
0: sounds like i might want a little bit more than that
2: hold no nah, dude. Half an avocado that's dude that on its own is fairly solid
0: yeah that's true on a piece of toast
2: yeah with with bread some broth like yeah yeah, cottage yeah. Cheese no like fruit. that's enough dude for okay sure. yeah. yeah
0: okay put the, that slice of pineapple in the cottage cheese now we're talking
2: i'd probably just replace put
0: the, the avocado on, on the bread
2: yeah and it's not about the cottage cheese yeah i'll actually but like yeah like that's a that's they're eating good. They just got different tastes than I. It's yes. just that cottage cheese that's sticking with me.
0: Okay. What about the celery loaf?
2: I don't know what that is.
0: It's you grind up some celery, some nuts, hmm. and uh, pureed celery, nuts, and milk in a loaf. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's celery, walnuts, parsley, onions, mushroom, butter, eggs, breadcrumbs. Turns into a, a yeah, brown. Yeah, fuck hoop. yeah! Let's go. And let's then, go then you cover the baking dish with uh, milk mm. pour some milk on top of it and then bake it
2: see that's where you're getting you, you, you slid into weird territory
0: yeah it's the milk it's yeah the, like the steak and in breadcrumbs. like okay sure like just stop there yeah
2: why are you boiling it that's weird
0: it is weird
2: it's like they're taking good food and making
0: it weird <laughs> <laughs> so they don't enjoy it too much i don't know i don't know yeah well she was a health nut she would go to health food stores and one of her favorite meals was chicken, dried apricots, cup of whole milk. What the fuck? Some brown beans and some biscuits.
2: Oh, that's fine.
0: It's just, it's kind of like, it's kind of bland. And it, you know what it is? It's like, they're, it's like a weird little charcuterie board. Like I got some brown beans, dried apricots, a little bit, like that's...
2: I think that's how like that's how people with like money they eat, like a lot of you getting the proper nutrition. You're eating a lot of little portions of different. I like different it. Things. It's, I do. I too. like eating yeah. like that. It's just they have weird taste.
0: Yeah, she was also super um, serious about the punctuality of her meals, like when she would eat them, mm. um, having an adequate balanced meal. What what was the content of the meal? She was very strict about strict with it. Have you heard of orthorexia? No. It's um it's an eating disorder that. Is centered on healthy eating, ah. like to a pathological and unhealthy degree. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Everything has to be healthy, or else I cannot eat it.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: I think there was some of that going on. Definitely. Because yeah, before there was Doctor Hauser, Greta went to visit a Doctor Harold Beeler, a Pasadena doctor and dietitian. Okay. He was the first one to suggest to her, "Oh, you should be a vegetarian." Then she was a vegetarian. Greta continued to consult him about her diet and health throughout the years. Uh, one day while on the set of Conquest, a sound technician was like, "The fuck is that strange noise interfering with recording?" It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's Garbo <laughs> She's in her dressing room. She's got a blender. She's pureeing up some Beeler broth.
2: Oh, no, dude. Um, No, I'm thinking of a Muppet cooking show right now.
0: Yes. <laughs> Darbo's cooking it's, Beeler broth. It's going everywhere. Yes. Oh, that's, I'm sorry. It's a, it's a puree of zucchini, onion, uh, some, like, squash and potatoes. Sounds yeah. pretty
2: bland. Um. Yeah, but it looks kind of... It looks funny when it's splashed all over with the Muppet set. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, she, she was very fond of Dr. Beeler. One day when she was feeling particularly fat, she said, uh... I wish i had beeler here if i had beeler he'd give me yeast and water for two days no food no mercy what like okay what
2: jesus yeast Christ. and
0: water for two days <laughs> yeah oh. so we can't blame dr hauser for greta's uh, restrictive eating no, habits it, so-
2: it sounds like they were eating that t- t- that was the good diet just weird
0: yeah no he yeah. actually helped her that they- that they- she had a pretty not a bad diet at that yeah, time. Okay. It's just a little weird. Yeah, I just... Did. And and it's very <laughs> controlled and she's very strict about it. That's the thing, is that, like, she can't, like, not eat her safe
2: food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, her, her weird eating habits kind of... They existed before she ever even knew Dr. Hauser. And he had his own weird ideas about diet, like boiling a steak, but more or less seemed pretty balanced to me.
2: I think they're just weird people is what mm-hmm. it comes down to.
0: No, she wasn't entirely about health foods all the time she enjoyed her uh, special jam do you remember how her mom worked at a jam factory yeah yes i found an article from um this was from a trip that she took to italy in like 1938 and at, the details that this newspaper publishes about her her trip there it talks about how this the housekeeper at the villa that they went to unpacked her suitcase and they like report on what was inside of her suitcase oh
2: yeah wow the suitcase is contained not a single dress in it or a pair of blue
0: espadrilles
2: yeah several pairs of dark glasses a bathing suit a pair of, of course sleeping pajamas and several pots of jam
0: yes she told the maid she wanted her pajamas washed every morning ironed and returned to her room by evening and she guarded her jam jealously. That's what it says. The yeah. jam carbo guarded jealously. <laughs> she had come down to breakfast each morning, bringing her little jam with her, and her main breakfast was a bowl of cornflakes. She would put several spoonfuls of the jam on it and then uh, pour a cup of coffee over it. Yes. and then The, as the soon only
2: way, th- okay, listen, if we gotta get in touch with the Jim Henson company, <laughs> we gotta write... Uh, we got a we fucking gotta, Muppet, man. We got to write a Muppet drama about old Hollywood.
0: Oh my! So God. we can have
2: Muppet Garbo.
0: Yes, oh. that would be so good. Oh. Muppet Orson Welles.
2: Oh yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: I'm just it's just that bear sitting next to you.
0: <laughs> yes, but yeah. As soon as breakfast was done, she would like run upstairs to her bedroom and, and lock the jam inside. And then at lunch. She would have raw carrots. Okay. Just eaten straight. No salt. Um, carrots are good. Yeah. She'd just treat. eat some raw carrots for lunch after her breakfast of cornflakes and jam and coffee. And then she'd have some tea in the afternoon. Oh, I
2: don't know who's putting salt in their carrots. Fuck that.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. What? Some. She would have some sandwiches, some honey, maybe some some jam and, and cake with her tea. So, okay. She's eaten. Yeah. She's having a, yeah. And then at dinner, she would have a. A raw salad and some fruit.
2: A we'll light dinner, but whatever.
0: I'm get, maybe she fills up at tea time. Yeah. sound Yeah. And then the day's over at eight o'clock and she went to bed. She always went to bed early. What
2: a weirdo. Yeah. In bed at eight, and jam, only watching her movies backwards. Carrots for lunch. Blending shit in her tr- Garbo's weird. <laughs> Gar- Garbo's, a, Garbo's a strange lady.
0: So one time Dr. Hauser and Garbo took a vacation together to Palm Springs But she left the island after just four days because she was unable to escape the prying eyes of the media. She spent most of her time out in public wearing this wide-brimmed hat to cover her face. She liked to wear sunglasses. Now, the two were supposed to stay in Florida for two weeks, and the trip would have overlapped with the announcement that she had received an Oscar nomination, her third Oscar nomination, for playing a strict Russian softened by a trip to Paris in the comedy Ninochka. Before arriving in Florida, Gossam columnists were abuzz that Hauser had put Garbo on a vegetarian diet. I don't think that's true. And there was speculation that, like, see, why does everybody care if she's uh, she's a vegetarian again? Oh, no, she's not. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Who gives a fuck? There was speculation that he would also succeed where others had failed, wooing her to get to the altar. So yeah, Gossam columnists are like going crazy. They're talking about all sorts of speculation. It's like yeah, the yeah. guy is named Gaylord. Also, she's wearing tuxedos. Do you do you not see that they're they're each other's the, beards? Yeah, or anything. the
2: guy dropped the name Benjamin for Gaylord. Yeah, and then was living in a mount atop a mountain retreat with his partner.
0: The first mistake that Garbo and Hauser made in uh, her quest for a quiet vacation was lunching at the same place that a Palm Beach Post reporter just happened to be at. This reporter published a piece the following day. It was front page news and the headline read Greta Garbo laughs diets as she pays Palm Beach her first visit with Dr. Hauser. Entertainment columnist Emily Keyes wrote,
2: the stories about the health diet that Dr. Hauser has put her on are not press agent fabrication. Sitting in a typical midwinter Palm Springs Palm Beach setting, she drank her buttermilk. (laughs) ate her vegetable salad and hot vegetables, along with fresh fruit for dessert.
0: (sighs) Hauser, whom Keyes described as strikingly handsome in a brown turtleneck sweater, (laughs) apparently was very strict, personally making sure that the French dressing they served was made with lemon juice. Meanwhile, she described Garbo like this.
2: She was just a tall, pale girl with a tiny suspicion of sunburn with long straight hair hanging from beneath the huge hat, who looked as though she might have benefited from some of the roast beef rather than the vegetarian luncheon she was consuming. Why do you fucking care? Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah, why do you care? Four days and a few reports in the newspaper later, Greta just couldn't take it anymore. She didn't want people reporting on what she was eating when just out to lunch. Yeah, It was annoying to her. Now, In case it's not totally obvious, both Dr. Hauser and Garbo were queer as fuck.
2: It sounds it though, yeah.
0: Like, her supposed romance with him may or may not have happened if they were both bisexual and adventurous, I don't know. But, if true, if they did have any sort of romance, some sources suggest that he was probably just seeking attention and fame more than love. If, if that was going on, I don't think it was. Life magazine reported that uh, Hauser apparently told press outlets before he came to Florida that he would marry Garbo once they were there. I don't know if he actually told them that.
2: I don't know enough about I don't I didn't even know who Greta Garbo was until <laughs> earlier today.
0: She famously turned down proposals
2: Ah, ah like, she, like yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah.
0: she would stay with. She'd be in relationships with men and women who would want a commitment from her. And she just she wouldn't give it. Yeah. Totally unwilling. Yeah. One of Garbo's uh, biographers said that Hauser's relentless courting of publicity on that trip really pissed her oh,
2: off. Oh, he wanted like a bunch of fucking Yeah, he wanted him, them. Uh, yeah.
0: To, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interestingly, they still remained friends, though. She, later in life, she would cut people the fuck off. Mm. Yeah. Then there was the fact that, you know, he's probably gay. Yeah. According to uh, many accounts, Hauser and his business manager, Fry Brown, were romantic partners. They so lived
2: together on a mountain.
0: Yeah. So they, him and Garbo were just like each other's beards, basically. Yeah. And they remained lifelong friends. Um, she often stayed at his homes during her trips to Los Angeles and Italy. Um, according to the New York Times, they also owned and developed property on Beverly Hills Rodeo Drive. So, you know, yeah. it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Pretty good spot to own. Author Rebecca Harrington in an article for cut.com speculated that Garbo and Hauser um, weren't bonded by romance, but rather their love of caloric restriction. Like that was really the glue that cemented them together. Probably also their queerness. Yeah. Yeah. And just yeah. the fact that like they could be out to each other. And exactly. And be themselves around each other. Be exactly. Like, eat their weird shit together.
2: Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like it makes sense. Yeah. Good on them. I don't know.
0: Nevertheless, she didn't stick with his diet forever. One month after their visit to Palm Beach, a gossip columnist Sheila Graham wrote,
2: Garbo is completely off the Howeser diet of nuts and carrot juice and eats meat twice a day, but dissipates possible fat by exercising violently for an hour and a half every morning. What the fuck? Do get a hobby. What violently. V- exercising violently.
0: <laughs> violently. Greta Garbo's personal life and romantic relationships were as enigmatic, mysterious as the rest of her life. She never married, no children, and always preferred to live alone. Like I said, a lot of her friends never saw her bedroom or her kitchen. Yeah. Despite this, she had a lot of romances. They were passionate, sometimes tumultuous, involving both men and women, and reflecting a fluidity in her sexual orientation and identity that have led many to consider her bisexual, maybe lesbian, maybe gender fluid. Sounds like she's just a garbo. She's a garbo. Yeah. Now of one of the reasons she didn't marry she once said
2: there was no one who would have me i can't cook
0: yeah she hated domesticity yeah. it was just like not for her she never wanted it she probably didn't even go in her own kitchen either yeah <laughs> um no well she did because here's a conversation about cooking between uh, her and her friend sam green i'll be greta two eggs for dinner i'll boil them I'll boil the heck out of that. <laughs> I can't make an omelet. That's a lot of trouble. You have to stand there and watch it, and then you, you slop it over on one side. I've never done one. I've seen somebody do it, but I avoid everything that's work except labor work. I can do that. Hard labor I can do. But you mess it up first in a bowl, no? And I don't, it doesn't have to be a very hot pan. I mean, maybe I'll try it. Oh, what ideas you give me. I knew I shouldn't have called you. If it doesn't work, just throw it away. You know, I really ought to try doing that. It's terribly boring eating all these boiled eggs. I can poach them also, but that's equally boring. I just throw them in a little potsky with boiling water and let them run. Whatever's left, I pick it up. It works.
2: And then you put them on toast. I
0: don't put them on nothing. <laughs> put them on the plate. What's wrong with that? I don't <laughs> have Eggs Benedict. I can't make that poached eggs they slop around there on the plate very good i'll make them for you you'll see (laughs) Like what a fucking character
2: i feel like i would have fallen for Garbo.
0: (laughs) oh yeah everybody did Uh, nobody could have her no sam green was a very good friend of hers because they met when he was 30 and she was 65 oh that's fun he was an art dealer in new york city where greta lived and he'd never seen her movies didn't give a fuck about her (laughs) she liked that yeah To Sam, she was delightful. Um, The day that they first met for dinner, the only thing that jolted him was her clothes.
2: They were almost almost plain enough to be ugly. Everything was the same awful mustard color, sweater, pants, and socks. Even her honey-colored hair seemed a little like mustard. It was a shade I'd never seen before. (laughs) Shows up
0: looking like the mustard lady. Wow. Yeah, at dinner the same evening, uh, she rejected the perfectly prepared lobster that was put in front of her and chastised her friend Cecil de Rothschild, who was dining with them, for forgetting that she had an allergy to shellfish. Then she pulled out a little plastic shopping bag that she always carried around with her and pulled out an apple. Just, just eating that, and nothing else, except she ordered two helpings of prune souffle. Then at precisely 9pm, she got up announcing that it was past her bedtime and she had to go home or else the Sandman wouldn't come. <laughs> Ate her apple, her prunes, went to bed.
2: Is she having a, is she, is she joking about that?
0: No. Okay. I'll tell you more about the right. Sandman.
2: Okay. Baby. Oh boy.
0: Um, also, okay. This is funny. One afternoon while Sam Green was visiting Greta, um, she left the living room to go fix some drinks for them and he reached out for some peanuts. A couple of them dropped on the floor. So he bends down to retrieve them, noticing a tiny figure underneath the couch. It was a troll doll. Little plastic troll doll with little crazy hair. And he goes out, he takes a closer look and notices there's a whole row of them, a dozen, a whole little community of trolls in a, like a formation underneath the couch. He did, he doesn't bring it up to her at all. He just kind of lets it happen. She walks back in, gives him the drink, doesn't say anything. But on following visits, whenever he was alone in there, he would check under the couch and she would change the arrangement. <laughs> It's a bunch of little, fucking that's troll really dolls funny. Under the couch.
2: That's so goddamn funny. I'm
0: telling you, she's weird.
2: She... What if they were arranging themselves? What if she was getting mind controlled by the trolls?
0: <laughs> they were moving themselves, yes. Um, according to Sam Green, Greta also had a habit of speaking. Of herself in the masculine gender, saying things like, I've been smoking ever since I was a small boy. <laughs>
2: I, think, I think she's just funny, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I think she's just really funny.
0: Green put like a psychological spin on this, saying that she would refer to herself like as another person, as a way to almost narratively remove herself from her past, like she's a, a different person now. Yeah. Um, I don't know. No, I think it's yeah. too much. Yeah. She was also increasingly asexual as the years went by, which makes sense. She was probably insecure about her aging body and whatever, you know, she she was increasingly reclusive as she got older. But it was a stark contrast from, like, basically the never-ending string of romances and sexcapades that she had in her younger years. Yeah, yeah. One of her her most famous romances was with her frequent co-star, John Gilbert. Uh, She lived with him for about a year. Gilbert was instrumental in developing her acting skills, helping her navigate the social circles of Hollywood. And despite multiple proposals from Gilbert, um, which she accepted, (laughs) she would back out every time. Just like you propose, she accepts, backs out. Like six months later, you do it again. She's like, I'm ready now. Actually, no, I'm not.
2: Yeah. What are you going to do?
0: Um, yeah. She, she really feared, like, this idea of being controlled. Yeah. She wanted to be the boss of her own life. That's why she never owned a house, too. She didn't want to be tied down.
2: Oh, man. Yeah. Ironically, it's sort of how you tie yourself down. Indeed.
0: Now, his, um, his proposals weren't the only that she turned down. In her relationship with Lars Saxon, he would propose to her three times, but she rejected them all, having learned by that time not to say yes. She's just not suited for it. Yeah. She would have other well-known romances, uh, including a highly publicized relationship with orchestra conductor Leopold Stokowski, a liaison with writer Eric Maria Remarque, and an affair with photographer and designer Cecil Beaton. She also had a very significant relationship with the Russian-born millionaire George Schley, who would become her close companion and advisor until his death in 1964. Interesting. She met Schley in the early 40s when Gaylord Hauser took her to an exclusive dress shop of Miss Valentina Schley, husband of George, or (laughs) wife of George Schley. Yeah. Yeah, her dress shop was in the Sherry Netherland Hotel in Manhattan. And on that visit, Garbo also met Valentina's husband and partner, George, who was quite amazed when she just casually stood naked in front of him. She loved doing that. She would just get naked everywhere she went. Huh. Huh. Yeah, wow. their, their relationship intensified uh, through the fifties until Garbo's management basically became uh, George Schlee's full-time occupation, and his possessiveness of her knew no bounds. Yeah. like a repeat of Maurice Stiller. Garbo was always very nervously aware of this possessiveness too. Interestingly, they didn't. The nature of their relationship wasn't romantic so much as it was like controlling. Yeah, like they didn't. It's interesting. In 1953, at the urging of Schley, she even bought a seven room fifth floor apartment uh, four stories above his and his wife's. He was like, you should move into my building. And she did. Now, by then, for Valentina, actual wife of George, the novelty of sharing her husband with the world's, you know, greatest screen actress had kind of worn off by that point. The threesome became a a twosome. She kind of like, you know, she fucked off. Yeah, yeah. She was embarrassed because there was a bunch of like rumors in the press about her husband running yeah. around with Greta Garbo. But what Schley had with Garbo was not so much a romance as a, a custody. It's so weird. Yes. Well, on the evening of October 3rd, 1964, it began typically for Schley and Garbo in Paris. They had dinner with their friend, Cecil de Rothschild, and they returned to their suite. But Schley didn't feel well. He thought maybe going for a walk might help. But minutes later, he collapsed on the street of a heart attack. Garbo was beside herself, but immediately thought, oh, my God, I can't be here. The press is going to play up my presence. Like, what the fuck? So Uh she threw herself on the mercy of... of Uh, Cecil who took charge and was like okay you can go I'll I'll call I'll take care of this so yeah Greta goes evades the press and just disappears so it falls to Valentina to fly over to Paris and collect her husband's body Jesus no help from Greta who's actually banned from his funeral service yeah and then Valentina called in an orthodox priest to uh, exercise Garbo's presence from her apartment (laughs) yeah she said
2: I have had it exercised. There will be no trace of that woman.
0: Yeah. Wow. Holy shit. Yeah. Hmm. Sam Green told a story about one time, um, him and Greta took a walk, and she would always say things like, "Oh, it's almost five thirty. The Sandman's gonna be out soon." He'd always think, like, why is she saying that?" Yeah. Well. What is that? On their walk, uh, well, he says this.
2: It was dark by the time we got to 52nd Street one day when we were visiting a friend and I saw an elderly lady coming towards us. Garbo saw her too and said, Oh God, I told you to get me back before 530. She just lost it, scuffled sideways like a crab, put her shoulder up, pulled her hat down, put her hand in front of her face. She got more and more distraught as the woman got closer. As we passed, Valentina looked at Garbo trying to hide and then at me and just tipped her hat and walked on. But Garbo was undone. They both knew the routine. Garbo was to be home by 5.30, before Valentina went out at 6. And they were never to meet. That's why she had to be home at 5.30.
0: <laughs> Valentina was the sandman the whole time. Wow. What? Well, one of them. Also, she she got sleepy early. Right, but... But yeah, she didn't like to... She didn't want to run into Valentina. Yeah. Like, God damn, Greta. How messy. Very messy. Me, yeah, but I get it. It's Russian millionaire money.
2: Yeah. At millionaire money
0: yeah well she had a lot of relationships with women too throughout her life garbo maintained a deep connection with her drama school sweetheart swedish actress mimi Polak. but it was kind of an unrequited love sustained primarily through letters mm. it's suspected that her love for mimi was one of the reasons why she remained unmarried her whole life interesting yeah
2: yeah that'll do it
0: another well, I guess this one's not a romance, more like a tryst. You're probably not familiar with her, but um, Louise Brooks. No, no, Yeah, no. no. Well, she and Garbo were never really close friends, but when Brooks showed up at a mutual friend of theirs house and saw her, like, playing tennis, she was in
1: awe.
0: Mm. Um, they spent the night together on several occasions and said that Greta was very charming and tender. Of Greta, Brooks had this to say...
2: Garbo was a completely masculine dyke, which makes her films even more wonderful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, Greta was also linked to Austrian writer Salka Wirtel, a friend and confidant who introduced Greta to another woman that Salka also hooked up with. <laughs> Just a big old Jesus lesbian Christ, cluster. Jesus Christ, Greta. Yeah, everybody hooked up with Marlena Dietrich too. It's the whole thing. Yeah. But yeah, she hooks up with um, Mercedes de Acosta, a Spanish-American poet, playwright, costume designer, and socialite who had hooked up with many famous actresses in show business. Yeah. Well, I guess they didn't Isadora have Duncan, games back then. Right. But the woman that Mercedes, like, really focused on was Garbo. Mm. As soon as they met, she was obsessed, and they met in 1931. Mercedes' relationship with Garbo has often been described, you know, by herself, as the love of her lifetime. But it's doubtful from all the information we have that Garbo shared those feelings at all. Yeah. Greta was completely in control of the affair. The two would stay together for le- lengthy periods of time going off and taking vacations and then just be apart for long periods of time where Garbo wouldn't even acknowledge DaCosta. It's a um, mean thing to do. Yeah, everything was completely at the will of, of Greta when she wanted to pop in and out of, Dick move. of Mercedes' life. Yeah, well, you know, it's kind of like a taste of her own medicine with her unrequited love right. for Mimi, Yeah, yeah, you know? In 1944, Garbo ended the on-again, off-again relationship with Mercedes, and at that time, she insisted that De Acosta stop sending her poems and letters professing her love. The last known poem written by De Acosta for Garbo was written that same year, 1944, but by all accounts, De Acosta remained in love with Garbo for the remainder of her lifetime. Mercedes asked that 10 years after Garbo's death that their love letters uh, be opened so that she could see them, which was, by the way, a thing that the estate of her family didn't really do very often. Yeah. They respected her privacy. Yeah, it was It was found that there was really no evidence of, of an actual affair between the two women. Oh, interesting. Um, the box contained the papers and letters that Garbo wrote to De Acosta from 1931 to 1960. Nothing gave evidence of a love story. It huh. seemed like garbo was rather cold and reserved in her letters that's not just i know that they hung out in person that they yeah. went on vacations together they spent christmas morning together one day yeah yeah. you know yeah you remember her pal seth green not seth green <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my god sam green
2: wish i could do a good peter
0: yeah <laughs> in all the years uh green knew garbo it turns out he had a big secret that he never told her You see, Mercedes de Acosta's uh, sister was actually Sam's godmother. Her name was Maria, and she had married an American composer named Chandler. And they lived next door to Green's parents in New England. But when Green met Garbo, he knew that she had cut Mercedes de Acosta off after Mercedes published this autobiography that included a bunch of details about her relationship with Garbo. Obviously, Greta fucking hated that because she valued yeah. her privacy so she's yeah, like why yeah. are you writing about our love affair in your book oh because you're mad at me for cutting you off sorry yeah yeah so green is more or less related to her but he never wants to tell her about that because in greta's eyes if anybody even knew about her past relationships yeah if he knew about her relationship with mercedes that would be like prying in her yeah own, yeah yeah like overstepping so if she ever brought it up he would say something but He just never mentioned it, because he didn't want her to think that he was invading her privacy. She was very sensitive about that. And because of that reason, their friendship wouldn't last forever. In the fall of 1985, a writer for the tabloid The Globe spoke with Green's assistant, who told all he knew of their friendship and more. The cover blared, Greta Garbo to wed at 80. Bridegroom will be an art dealer 30 years her junior. Now, why Green's assistant did this, I don't know. Green himself was in Columbia, had nothing to do with it. But when Greta saw this piece, she was pissed off. She was enraged even. And as soon as Green got back, you know, he called her to check in, as he does. They would talk on the phone really often. So he calls. He's like, hey, Greta, how you doing? So long silence. She goes, Mr. Green, You've done a terrible thing, and hangs up. So he calls back. He's like, I have not said a word about you in 15 years, (laughs) and if I was to do so, it certainly wouldn't be to the globe. More silence. (sighs) And he goes, does this mean we're not speaking anymore? That's right. And there's nothing I can do at all. Yes. Hang up the phone, Sam.
2: He didn't do anything.
0: And that was the last time he ever heard her voice. Yeah, he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. He did. (laughs) She was suspicious. Jesus Christ. I think there was a second overriding reason for the cutoff. Um, You see, Green had tape recorded some of their conversation. Well, wait a minute. That's different. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. And Greta never objected to this. But... At some point in 1985, she was informed by a friend that Sam Green was at a party and had played part of a, the t- a tape of their conversation. Green categorically denies this. I kind of believe it.
2: He might have. He might have. He well, he might have said that he had a tape and he might have played another tape and the stories got confabulated or whatever. Yeah,
0: who knows? who knows? In regards to both cases, he says,
2: I thought she knew me well enough to know I would never exploit her. God knows I had a thousand opportunities.
0: Yeah. He felt angry and wounded, but... Happens to the best of us, Sam. Indeed. <laughs> In hindsight, he views those incidents as her making excuses to isolate herself. Because, yeah. yeah, Greta had an inner darkness. One time she said...
2: I'm very happy one moment. The next, there is nothing left for me. I've messed up my life, and it's too late to change that. These walks around the city are just an escape. When I walk alone, I think about my life and the past. I'm not satisfied with the way I made my life. Well, change something, then. Right. Trust someone, for fuck's sake.
0: Trust somebody for once and not
2: not not, the fucking assholes that you do trust. Why why do you do this? You'd fucking get naked in front of Russian millionaires and then just fucking fucking over your boy.
0: Girl, come on. Girl, what is wrong with you? Like by 1985, her health was failing and she didn't want people to see her deteriorating. She would walk around the city wearing wigs and taping her face back so that it looked more taut. Jesus. Jesus. And over the next four years, Sam learned that he was not the only one being shut out. She'd stop seeing her other friends as well and, you know, just hang up on them when they would call. At the end of her life, Greta continued to live in Manhattan, where she had moved in the 19 in the mid 1950s. And uh, yeah, she was known for taking long walks. It was one of her favorite things to do. Loved to take a walk, especially with her friend Sam. She invested wisely. She was financially secure in her later years. She loved like stocks, financial market, very savvy. And she had a small, very small circle of friends and confidants that she maintained relationships with. But like I said, she was also cutting people out. She remained reclusive, living on her own terms until Greta Garbo passed away on April 15th, 1990. Damn. The age of 84. The cause of her death was pneumonia and renal failure. And even in death, she maintained her mystique, having a private funeral attended by only a a few close friends and family members. Her ashes were eventually returned to Sweden, where they were interred following a much-delayed ceremony in 1999, according to her wish nine years later. The end of an era. Garbo's gone. No more Garbo. Yeah. But her legacy has remained. As has the legacy of her diet. It almost precedes her (laughs) like more people probably know about her diet really from these like articles that are like weird Hollywood diet trends really um then they actually know about her as a person
2: that's really interesting yeah so that's like the thing that Greta Garbo is like kind of remembered for is or not like mm, I shouldn't say that but like that's she fits that kind of piece in a
0: yeah I will say that there's there's more information about her diet than mostly any, anybody else's that you'll find really? not, Yeah, when you're looking up, like, old huh. Hollywood diet stuff. I think it's because Dr. Hauser just had such a big... Um,
2: right, 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 right. ...role in that. Man, it's just so crazy. Like, I don't know. I was thinking just, uh, like, a lot about, uh, like, the... Just a person dealing with that, like, Hollywood machine. Yep. Yeah.
0: Doesn't seem easy.
2: Because it just seems like she kind of... Like, that's just a person who just, like, retreated totally inwards and... Missed out on a lot, I think. I don't know.
0: It's very Seven of Swords. Yeah, it's kind of like exactly that. It's It's like making she's running away. Yeah, you know, she's a lone wolf and she's running. She's collecting what she can, and she's trying to. I don't know. Even though literally she couldn't do it alone, she wants to act like she does can't be controlled by anybody. That she doesn't need people, but her whole life she needed people.
2: Yeah, well, she cut. Sounds like she cut away the fucking thirty-year-old dude who is her buddy.
0: Yeah, went it's almost like a, a surrogate to son because she like, never had an actual son. So, this here's like, you know.
2: Yeah, like, meanwhile, getting controlled by a bunch of assholes. I don't know. This sucks. Come on, Greta.
0: I know. Well, I relate a lot to Greta her manic depressive tendencies, her rampant bisexuality, <laughs> her aloofness in relationships. And her her strange eating habits, she would waffle from like periods of restriction, vegetarianism to then sometimes she would just eat two containers of strawberry ice cream in a single sitting and just like have weird food cravings, eat a lot of it at one time, like go snake mode.
2: Yeah, it seems she, she was just kind of a crazy person like us. Yeah, like, I would definitely if I was a, I, like, I can never even I don't even want to step foot in the state of California. Like, I just know that like that Hollywood machine would just fucking destroy my ass oh yes holy shit that would not be good entertaining perhaps for a brief second Mm -hmm. for everyone else not you or anyone close to me but you know
0: yeah i think that's something that stiller helped in instill in her was this sense of perfectionism which you know she's also a virgo um she, she was this perfectionist <laughs> uh, that could just never really quite meet her own standards yeah. and nor could other people yeah except for the people that she wanted to impress and well you, know.
2: you she'd say the standards but it's more of a fear thing yeah it's a f- there's a there's an interesting thing that happens with between like the de- the desire to be seen and the fear to be known
0: mm-hmm. you know and yet she was like the most known
2: Right, word no but not like truly known, or like she exactly. was known of, but not like yeah,
0: like they knew her you know, face, but yeah. they didn't know.
2: It strikes her. me as like like that dude Sam Green just strikes me as like a, a feller who actually got her.
0: Yeah, and, and then
2: that's why he was the most dangerous.
0: She was so protective over her private self, right, and like of those details of her life, and but I'm so glad that we know them because that's what's endearing about her.
2: Yeah, but we probably know what she ate on, like, a random Tuesday in July.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Every time she went up. We know what was in her fucking suitcase. That's so it's weird. It's no wonder she oh, wanted to be private. That's the, I mean,
2: but that's the other thing. Like, you. it's not like, like. It's like, the
0: logical conclusion.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, I wouldn't, that's, I wouldn't be able to deal with that shit. I'm a surprisingly.
0: And if she was a spy, if she was up to some espionage shit, it makes even more sense. That yeah, is
2: that like. Have like. a? Yeah, definitely. It's also exactly the type of person you need. Mm-hmm. Fucking... Old Hollywood is so fat. It's just a, it's a fascinating, weird fucking place. It very much is. That's all I have for Garbo. Word. But yeah, like, Seven of Swords is essentially that. Yeah. Futility, secretiveness. Uh, not secretive necessarily in a, like, Scorpio sense, but, like, in a in a uh, deceptive runaway and hide.
0: Totally. Like, there's no way her and George Schley weren't fucking. Right. Yeah, she probably got up to some some wild stuff.
2: Probably, yeah. Fucking garb. I just I want Muppet Hollywood so bad.
0: I do too. <laughs> Old Hollywood Muppet.
2: Yeah, you know, my dad was a puppeteer for a long time, but we could make some.
0: <sighs> that was my dream job as a child. Yeah. Yeah. I would. I would. I wanted to go to puppet college, dude.
2: We gotta have this conversation off air. Do you know about the puppet thing? No. You do You don't know about my puppet thing? Oh shit, dude
0: i know part of your puppet thing because it came up in our ai episode when the ai said that you went to puppet shows
2: yeah 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 there's yeah dude puppets 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 have been a big part of my life
0: mine too (laughs) mine too Uh, i wanted to i I used to practice throwing my voice as a child i had a ventriloquist dummy yeah
2: my pops made marionettes and shit Mm
0: -hmm. it's
2: wild yeah anyway
0: anyway (laughs) that's credit card yes hollywood's puppet
2: That's terrible. That's no, until awful. she quit. Yeah, she fucked off and just got real private and sad. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Seems like she also had a very, I don't know, despite the struggle with publicity, seems like she had a happy life. Sometimes.
2: I don't know. Dude, she made friends by the dude. I don't think so. She had some. Not really, dude. She yeah.
0: What if she had leaned into her fame? What if she was like exactly? What if she was like, yes, I am the name goddess. I was.
2: She allowed herself to get crushed by it instead of fucking radiating opening up to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being
0: like, yes, I am the public's. Like, you all own the image of me, but you will never fully know me, and I'm fucking exactly.
2: That's what you like. That's what you do, dude. You mm -hmm. build an avatar. For yeah. them to, 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 catch, to catch all the shit. That's what you do. She couldn't do it.
0: Because it was know. also invading her private well, life. It was following her into her vacations and her lunch and her suitcase. So she, you know. Well, and
2: she also didn't have anyone to teach her that either. Right. She didn't have any experience Yeah. With that. This is early on in the fucking Hollywood
0: day. Fully falling into it actually probably would have meant that her private life was on display too. And it would have made her feel like she was losing that part of herself.
2: Sure. I mean, like you can't like.
0: Because again, control was a big thing to her.
2: When we're thinking about like, well, okay, like tactically, how would you deal with fucking celebrity or whatever? Like, you know, in this like you'd have to let yourself. But we have fucking a hundred years of goddamn examples to look back on and see people that like made mistakes and shit, right? Mm -hmm. Like, when that's that new shit, that fucking new media shit, where you've got like rich fuckers just like taking using tech, the intersection of technology and fucking art to create this enormously influential fucking cultural force celebrity film all this shit the hollywood goddamn thing no one's ever been through that fucking meat grinder before yeah right like that you don't you don't know she and and attitudes towards fucking Uh, women weren't treated great back then either just as a matter of fucking course right Right. and she got these fucking assholes just like from the start like changing her appearance taking control over all this shit she was fucking controlled from the outset it makes sense too why
0: there was like this kind of queer undercurrent of all of these famous actresses hooking up with each other because like only they understand each other's plight
2: exactly exactly yeah 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 no that makes them
0: and they can trust one another with the secret because they know Then it's not gonna get out.
2: Yeah, and that's why she's like always hanging out with fucking Hauser. Mm -hmm. He's a fucking gay dude in times when that's not cool fucking either. Yeah. Right? And like they get each other and shit. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: like, but also being in that fucking realm, I'm sure in the time she was filming those fucking movies, she got deeply fucking betrayed by some people that she had let in.
0: We didn't go into like the history of her, but she made 28 movies. You can imagine the stories from on set, the drama between directors, between actors and actresses yeah 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 this could have been a three-part series if i I really wanted it to be yeah fucking and i would like to return to old hollywood again
2: oh yeah i mean there's some there's some fucking stories in there you know
0: for sure yeah
2: it's a it's a time period in a place that i don't have that much experience like really looking into but it's a wild thing
0: i'm interested in it also because this is when like the vaudeville circuit is big too
2: well earlier
0: yeah around the same time
2: Well, yeah, I guess she started making movies in, like, the 20s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. She saw the whole fucking 20th century. Yeah. Shit.
0: The rise.
2: And you also just can't separate the 20th century from film and shit. Like, that's
0: Mm -hmm.
2: absurdly important.
0: Also, probably, like, the first time—there's a good reason why she didn't like to watch her own movies— yeah. I mean it's probably fucking weird. Yeah. yeah, nowadays everybody takes pictures of themselves posted on Facebook right. for everybody to see what you look like. Yeah. But back then the idea of displaying you on a movie screen to the masses. Yeah. Watch yourself in that regard must be a mind fuck.
2: And also with the whole she could act just through moving her eyes the right way too. Like mm-hmm. that, that close up shot scrutinization, right?
0: She probably would scrutinize her own performances too.
2: Yeah, I mean, realistically, like, you look at, like, okay, like, there's a way you can, you you know, you, you could say, like, oh, Garbo was sad because you didn't fucking lean into it or whatever, or, like, um, didn't trust the right people or whatever. Yeah, you can say that, too. But also...
0: How could you not get chewed up and spit out by that? That's
2: this? the, that's, I mean, that's the thing. Like, that doesn't necessarily take into account, like, what it's like to have, to be scrutinized by people technology new technology and this new culture just being the focus of what you have no fucking idea what that's like and what that like and honestly someone who fucking gets you can be scarier sometimes you know like especially if you've been fucking betrayed and shit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah i don't know it's interesting to me just seeing what i don't know these these turning points of technology and communication uh the the downstream effect on on people you know Yes. Interesting stuff.
0: Yeah. But I, I, I like Garbo.
2: I know I'm just so ashamed of myself because ever since I just I, it's just been I'm up it in my head. It's just I and it's not my fault. I didn't <laughs> want to I'm trying not to, but the more I
0: it's there already. It's just there. it's never I going away. Of it, now. It's never going away. Yeah,
2: Garbo. Yeah. But like it's not. Ne- it's not a Muppet representation of Greta Garbo either. It's,
1: a, <laughs> it's, it's another just thing. Just
2: a Muppet named Garbo. Yeah. <laughs> like I, yeah. The movie plan in my head is not about Greta Garbo. It's, no, just, about, it's just about this other thing. Yeah, he's either like white or red. Maybe red. Just like uh, it looks like one of Elmo's cousins. Yes. He's probably got a funny hat. I don't know why I Elmo's well, cousin Garbo. I thought, Garbo. Of him, I thought of him as a spy. So he was like dressed as a little Nazi too because he was.
0: Spy. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Oh my God. Uh, Fucking, have you ever looked at Elmo's family tree? We can't get into yeah. this.
2: <laughs> Guys, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating and review on wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps the show and we would appreciate it. If you really like what we do, you can get access to more of us on our bonus show, The Corkboard Bazaar, and our private Discord server. Over at our Patreon, starting at just $5 a month. We do have an episode talking about Edward Bernays and propaganda, which is a nice little tie-in.
1: Oh,
0: we've, got, one. All we've,
2: sorts got, we've cool got all episodes. sorts of shit over there. Yeah, in our Discord server. And you can get all, access to all that for just $5 a month. Hell yeah.
0: yeah. Alrighty, folks. What can I? Take care out there.
2: If you eat a boiled steak... Take a picture. Take a picture, yeah.
0: I want to know what it looks like.
2: Me some fucking weird milky Garbo food, dude. Because <laughs> 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 I'm not going to.
0: Yeah, try a Garbo dish. <laughs> get inspired.
2: All right. Take care, guys. Peace. Peace. <laughs>